In this episode, we're talking to the head of the school, it's Sarah Thomas. Welcome to the Marymount Paris podcast, where you can find out more about the school. Each episode, we'll be speaking to people in the school community to let you, the listener, discover what life is really like at Marymount. But enough of this intro, let's get into this episode right now. Sarah, welcome to the first episode of the podcast. How are you today? Very well. It's nice to meet you, Simon, and I'm delighted to be here with you. Well, it's great to talk to you. I appreciate you giving up your time. We're, we're recording this on a, on a Tuesday morning. I'm dying to know what Tuesday mornings normally look like for you in school. Tuesday mornings, well, every morning starts with us opening up uh, iconic gates at the front and the senior leadership team and the teachers coming outside to welcome each one of our, our children individually. We're a small school in Neuilly-sur-Seine. Uh, we have about 350 children, age 2 to age 13. And, and those morning moments and the transition from home to school is a really important one. So every morning you'll see me and my team outside to say good morning to our students. How important do you feel it is to be outside meeting the students, meeting the parents as well, I imagine? It's a key moment of the day and it really is, you know, um, those, those moments in a child's day impact their learning, not just for the day, but for the week and for the months ahead. So Marymount really is founded on the idea of community. And so a close connection with the child's family to know how they did the night before, to see what's going on in their life outside of school matters immensely. And I imagine it's a good opportunity then for the parents just to ask sort of short, brief questions that might not be worth them making a phone call into your office, but just have a quick catch up with you. Absolutely. Our families come from 50 different countries from around the world, and they tend to stay three to five years in their time in, in Paris, and um, Marymount is a home base for them. And so that opportunity to know that they can speak to the person, the teacher, who is by far the most important relationship their child will have for a year in their life outside of the, the immediate family, it gives them an enormous amount of reassurance because they've moved to France and Marymount for many of them is their home away from home. It's refreshing to hear all of this because we often hear about the, the, the power of email tying people down to the desk, but it sounds to me like you're, you're very much the kind of person who likes to get out to, to see the students all around the school, to, to see the parents as they're dropping the children off, to experience life in it in its real form instead of being sat behind a desk is that right it absolutely is i mean definitely there's time where i have to be at the desk and the door has to be has to be closed our school is um uh very happily we're in the midst of celebrating our centenary a centennial this year so 100 years um in in paris which means it's a really exciting year for us we um we're the the oldest uh, international school in in France, and so centenary year means a lot of events, but also strategic planning. So that requires time behind the desk, as you can imagine. But before the time behind the desk is that really important period of consultation and listening sessions for future ready classrooms. What do students want Marymount to be in the next 100 years? And what do parents want Marymount to be in the next 100 years? So it has to be an equal balance of alone thinking, blue sky thinking time, and then speaking with, um, with consulting our constituents is something that we do on any major move. Um, and so certainly this is no exception. Wow, so exciting times ahead. So something there to look forward to. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, just for the sake of anyone who's listening to this, who, who, who maybe they're, they're looking around for a school at the moment and they're trying to find out a little bit more about what Marymount Paris is actually like. 
Just tell us in a nutshell about the school. So, as I said, we are the oldest international school in France. We were founded by the Religious of the Sacred Heart of Mary, and so we're part of the global network of RSHM schools. Uh, we're part, there are 18 other schools in the network of schools, and we educate 19,000 young people around the world. So when we talk about global citizenship, it is a reality for our students. Our students here have online classes with the other Marymount schools in London, London and Rome. Um, they have learning uh, opportunities with all of the experiential trips from Model United Nations to theater to sustainability classes with children from, from around the world. But I think really what, what galvanizes all of our 19 schools and draws us all together um, is, is that common commitment to the principles and the educational vision of, of, our, of our founders. I'll tell you a funny story story. Um, uh, at the beginning of our centenary year, our students know very well our foundress, Mother Joanna Butler, who, uh, who came here 100 years ago. I'm sitting right now in what, was, in what was her home. And I was talking to our students about how it's easy to think when we've been here for so long that our plot really was predestined, right? And that it was just following one step after another. And I was trying to explain to them just how daring and audacious and courageous this move was to find a place in France to educate American women at the time. It was uh, a school for American, American women. Um, and so I said, you know, when you're in the classroom and your teachers are teaching you about storytelling, they ask you an essential question of how do you know where a good story will lead? And at the time, they had no idea how this story would lead because she crossed the Atlantic. And there are a lot of parallels that we can draw, actually, with our time now. She crossed the Atlantic just after the First World War, just after the first modern pandemic, there was economic unrest, there was political unrest. You see a lot of a lot of parallels there. And and I was explaining all of this to them. And at the time I was standing under a big stately portrait of Mother Butler. Um, and it was a group of grade three students. And one of my darling students at the time when she said, a hundred years ago, and this is her home. And she said, and so were you here with her when she came? <laughs> How did that make you feel? <laughs> well, very much at home, very much at home. But it's it, it was great because it was she understood that it that first trip is very much a metaphor for what learning is at Marymount, right? It's reaching out to unexplored territory and making connections um, with people and places who you never might have known otherwise. So it's a uh, it's something I like to remember is my my centenary anecdote with my students. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. that. That's brilliant. Sarah, tell me something about 2024. I mean, we're, we're still towards the beginning of the year. What, what can people expect uh, at Marymount this year in 2024? We've just renovated our uh, library and fab lab for the centenary year. Our fab lab is the very first design technology space in France. So you will see a lot of very busy young people uh, reading books in 50 different languages and then uh, making um, new models of expression in the fab lab. And we have a speaker series for the centenary. But really, the end of the year is going to be looking ahead to the next century, talking to people 
people about our strategic planning. We'll also have a full school trip to Chartres Cathedral to celebrate uh, to celebrate the end of our centenary year and a school-wide demonstration of learning. Each student did a unit of learning around the centenary so that as you're walking through the campus at the end of the year, you'll be able to really see the story of Marymount through the eyes of our of our young people. So that's a really exciting, um, some of the exciting events. Some of the, the more long-term initiatives that we're working on, you know, we're, we're very much at home in France and we like to make sure that no matter how long our children or our students are here in France, they grow in appreciation and understanding and exposure to France and to the French culture and French language. So we're piloting um, a really innovative dual language French provision for our middle school students, which then gives them access to French bilingual or private high schools. We're one of the few Marymounts that does not have a high school, so really making sure that we've um, smoothed that transition for them is something that we're really quite proud of, um, the new provision in the middle school. And tell me a little bit more about that, given that that there is no high school. Where do the students typically end up going once they leave Marymount? Well, I think it's a point of pride for us that our students then have a wide variety of high schools to choose from, international, American, British, French, bilingual. Um, We use the American Education Reaches Out standards, educational standards, which are international school standards, so that a child going back to the United States or a child going back to the UK would easily, seamlessly be able to transfer back into a a national system. One exception to that is we use the next generation science standards rather than the American Education standards because we have beautiful science labs and the fab lab and and science needs to be fun and engaging and students need to get their hands dirty. And so it's hands-on learning either in the classroom or in our outdoor living classroom. We inaugurated an outdoor learning space two years ago. COVID taught us anything. It's that students don't need to learn inside four walls. So um, their experiments happen in um, in a fully organic uh, living classroom outdoors. COVID certainly did teach us a lot, didn't it? Sarah, one of the things I'd love to talk to you about, this might sound like a really obvious question, but for the sake of people listening to this right now, they don't know much about the school, for example. Here we are talking in English. The school is clearly in Paris. What requirement is there for people to know how to speak French or English or any other language for that matter? Well, it's uh, the predominant language in the classroom is English. But that being said, I mean, we, as I said, we've got children from 50 different nationalities who come in with neither English nor French, um, but we have a fully inclusive learning team that really then personalizes learning for the student. You can expect um, that then over a certain period of time, depending on the child, they obviously then will become fluent in English and far more at ease in, in French. French children who join us They follow the Francophone French uh, curriculum. Every child has French every day. So um, we have four different um, areas of of French, four different groupings, so that it's matched to the level level of the the student. But the next week we'll be be kicking off our international week, and it really is that portrait of the diversity of our school community, multinational, multireligious, multicultural community, um, that means that... If they come with English, that's perfectly fine. But if they come with neither French nor English, we've got the 
the teacher to student ratio, you know, about one to five, which enables mm -hmm. us to have a trained professional for any sort of learning difference, any sort of language need. So it really, I would say, is one of the distinctive features of Marymount, um, the quality of the personalized provision. If that's accelerated provision for students who, through an individualized portfolio, would be sent um, uh, to explore personal passion projects or students who need a little bit extra support. Predominantly that happens in the classroom, but that can happen in a pullout um, session one-to-one -one or small or small group. Sarah, talk to me about wellness. It's a word that we often hear in the world of education, but how does that look at Marymount? Well, I think it starts with what I mentioned at the beginning of the day is the relationship between the child and the, and the teacher. And in order to ensure, I, I became head actually during lockdown. And so it was a, it was a real driving force in, in what I saw as some of the first main areas that I wanted to focus on was the wellness of the children and the parents and the staff when we came back to school, which is why I named a wellness director for the for the entire school. He oversees the well-being provision, which is a class that uh, is taught for every every age of of every child. Um, but I would I would say then that first point of contact for wellness is um, is certainly is certainly the classroom teacher. For many years, my daughters were students at Marymount. And I, I have the distinct memory of the first day of school for my daughter when she was in second grade, when she walked up and her classroom teacher meant to meet her and her teacher squatted down so that she and her teacher ha had direct eye contact and she met her where she was. And for me, that image is indicative of the approach of our teachers to our students' sense of, of well-being. We pay an enormous amount of attention to having online therapy and a full-time nurse and campus security and all of the things that you would expect in a school like, like Marymount. But I really do believe that if you get recruitment right, you have profoundly impacted the, the wellness of a child, particularly one who's just arrived into the country. Mm, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, so clearly that's of, of prime importance. Uh, equally, education, I imagine, is, is important as well. How do you get the balance right between children learning the things that they need to learn for the, for, for the world? but at the same time looking after them, nurturing them in that school environment. You know, you're going to think that, I, that I've memorized the biography of Mother Butler, but we do very often refer to some of these, to some of these foundational thoughts uh, of the educational vision of the RSHM. And 100 years ago, Mother Butler said that a Marymount education means that you're attending to the academic, physical, spiritual, social, and I would add political education of, of a child. That a holistic vision of education is something that we've been doing for 100 years. Um, I think that the nurturing environment is, is really based on Obviously, the, a broad, expansive curriculum that allows children a sense of joy and discovery in the classroom. They need to know math. They need to be able to read and write. They also need to love the experience of learning. And so when they're surrounded, when they're in a nurturing environment where there is joy in the classroom, that gives them that taste for the, the process of learning. But the learning spaces themselves are deeply important to how much they engage with 
what the teacher is is presenting to them. So we pay quite a lot of attention to the um, the maintenance, the expansion, and the provision of the of the facilities. We're very fortunate to have um, a closed estate that has a gym and as an an auditorium for the school plays. No, clearly that's that's of high importance. And thank you for explaining all of that. Um, Sarah, you mentioned at the start of this recording, we, we were talking about when parents are dropping their, their, their children off. and we, we talked a little bit about community. I'd love to unpack that a little bit more, though, and find out more really about if, if again, if I was a, a parent looking around for a school, you know, how quickly would, would I as, as a parent as well be integrated into that community? Well, we have, you know, we have a rolling admissions process, which means that we welcome families throughout throughout the entire year. And the partnership with the parent teachers organization and the wellness director means that um, we've, we've paid particular attention. I would say those mid-year arrivals, people who don't begin in September, you need to nurture that relationship even more carefully because it's more challenging when friendships have been made and play dates have been have already been organized so the parent teachers organization sends out individual messages to every parent who who joins us mid-year the wellness director along with the pto holds a presentation on what are the normal steps the pitfalls and the and the benefits of being an international family um, and um, how do you then help your child settle in we really do find that once the child has settled peacefully into the into the school, really every other piece of family life settles in. So we're always with the family care officer who works in the admissions office, willing to and happy to help the family to settle into their life in, in Paris. Are we recommending outside of school provision for uh, French activities? Or we had a family who arrived mid-year without um, any of their any of their home supplies. And so we sent over a stock of library books from our library and classroom toys so that their children had something to do in the hotel room while they were waiting for their for their things. So I would really wow. say that personal touch is something that um, distinguishes us from any other um, from any other school because you are um, part of a community when you when you join the school and does, does that community remain as well after the children leave school do you, do you do you try to keep in touch with the children after they've left it's really interesting um, at the kickoff of the centenary year we uh, hosted an alumni reunion at our Marymount school um, in New York and um, they very graciously opened the doors of their beautiful of their beautiful space there we sent out the invitations and less than 24 hours later we were full to capacity it was and it was a wonderful wonderful moment to see families who I hadn't seen for for 10 years and see young people who one who's a brain surgeon and one who is opening her own company and another one who has gone into teaching and into nursing I've met a student who um, is beginning his medical career when he was with us he had an extremely serious health challenge and and he told me at the alumni reunion that it was the care that the school nurse gave him that made him want to then go into the medical profession um, when he when he was an adult. So that's a wonderful that's a wonderful um, moment to reconnect with people. I do a um, I have a head of school newsletter that I send out to our community punctually throughout the year. And just last month, I was able to interview um, one of the uh, former students who now um, is nearing retirement um, and has written a book. Himself 
himself. Wow. And so, and, and he really drew some of those life lessons back to the time when he was, when he was here uh, at Marymount. Gosh, that really is incredible. Mm. That, re- that really mm. is. Sarah, tell me something about yourself. I mean, you, you mentioned that you took this position during COVID, which must have been a challenge in itself. But, but I'd love to know a little bit more about you. I mean, how did you get into education in the first place? Well, a circuitous path, like I think so many of us do. The time of having one career uh, is, certainly, is certainly over. I actually started in a completely different um, sector. I worked in film and I was a production manager for many years in Los Angeles and in New York before I moved to France. My husband is French. Um, and so I moved to France. I retrained. I reconverted to um, a completely different professional area. And I began at Marymount nearly 15 years ago. And I served as the principal, so the deputy head, for seven years um, before I moved into the role of head of school during during lockdown. And, you know, like a lot of my um, colleagues here at Marymount, we do understand um, the uh, our families who are coming from all four corners of the globe because, like many, like many of them, I've left my home country. I've made my life in France, and it's a really fascinating and complex set of relationships when you decide to live outside of your home country for a long period of time or or just for for a few years. Um, we speak to our students very often that their sense of self and their sense of belonging is attached to their home country and they should be quite proud of what they bring with them from from home. But then at the same time, they're acquiring all these wonderful new attributes when they're part of an international international family. So I feel, I really do feel as if my colleagues in the classrooms are, are, are uniquely equipped to help shepherd our students and then their parents through that wonderful complexity of being of being an international family for me the uh, the image of my international family is our Thanksgiving table. Like every good American, I, I observe Thanksgiving almost religiously at the at the end of, of November. But because I'm a Franco-American with a healthy dose of Spanish family, and we have our friends over for Thanksgiving meal, it certainly doesn't look like a, th- a traditional Thanksgiving table. I have an Italian friend who brings an Italian dish and a Spanish friend who brings a Spanish dish. And I think that really is... Uh, an example of what a lot of our families have too is that you just make this this unique set of of um, cultural artifacts that that tells the story of your life. Oh, a beautiful cocktail of international relations. I I, I love exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but clearly, a, an international school in in Paris is that's very different to life in Los Angeles. What, what what was it that took you into the into the movie industry in LA? It was uh, a time I had I had actually studied philosophy when I. Uh, when I was at university, um, and I went through the documentary route. So I started working with documentarians on, um, and traveled through Mexico, um, as they were, as they were, um, preparing documentaries on some of the local artists there. And then that then led from one, from one job to another. And actually it's interesting how many transferable skills there are between leading a large, uh, crew of creatives and leading the creatives who are working in the classrooms. You know, I mean, a, a group of teachers is very much like a, a philharmonic, uh, where each one has their areas of expertise and the work in the offices is, is coordinating, setting up the circumstances 
circumstances for these people to bring their best and to create uh, and to create a, a, a holistic uh, piece of art. Which so there are a lot of there are a lot of transferable skills between the two. Sarah, keeping an eye on time here, we're going to need to bring this to a close. If anyone's heard anything, though, and if they wanted to get in touch with you, how could they go about doing that? I would first check out our social media, which is a really beautiful daily snapshot of all the wonderful things happening at the school. Our website, uh, marymount.fr, will lead you directly to the family care officer um, who can, if you're interested in learning more, have an online consultation with you or organize a visit to the to the school. Awesome. Well, we'll put links to all of those in the show notes for this episode. But Sarah, thank you for being here, especially for the first episode. Uh, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Oh, so nice speaking with you, Simon. Thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you in person at school. <laughs>